The Mom Hour is brought to you by The Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time. Yeah, and with summer fast approaching, now is a great time to get The Essential Calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to The Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 415 of The Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So welcome to the month of May, everyone. If in your house this month brings a lot of crazy chaos with uh, school wrapping up, school-aged kids, I know not every family has that experience. You could be on year-round school or not have school-aged kids, but oof, I am bracing myself for this month and just knowing that every year we do get through it. So happy May, everyone. Yes, happy May. And guess what? I decided to open a business and get married this month too. Oh, no guess biggie. I, I guess I'm just a glutton for punishment. I mean, maybe because you have fewer kids at home and like no gra- nobody's actually graduating this year. It just felt yes. not chaotic and, enough. And I have a driver in the house. I will say that makes a big difference. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Well, um, we are talking today about feel-good foods and feeding ourselves well as moms. Um, This is a Tuesday episode, and of course, we are going to touch on feeding our families, and we have a ton of episodes in the archives about feeding a family. But Megan, I really actually want us to focus mostly today on what it means to feed ourselves well as moms. You and I are both in our 40s, mid-40s, I think we can generously say. Yeah. and I think that changes, or for me, that's changed how I think about feeding myself as a mom. Um, but also it's the cha- kind of changing seasons and it's getting warmer outside. That's always a good time to think about like what foods sound really good to us and what foods serve our bodies. And and I think by that, we're not talking about any kind of health plan, certainly not talking about weight loss or limiting anything, but actually like the foods that make us feel good in our bodies. So it's a big topic. It is. And, um, I will have lots to say about my, <laughs> about my journey here, because I feel like, um, uh, it is so common to have a really complicated relationship with food. Mm-hmm. And, um, especially now where there's so much con- like conflicting information out there, there's so many people who are so into specific diets that can be very restrictive or prescriptive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I've sort of flirted with all of them, much in the same way that I tried to sell Mary Kay twice as a young woman and did probably five different multi-level marketing companies before I realized it just wasn't for me. I think I've also flirted with trying to be someone who follows a diet mm-hmm. um, or a certain kind of eating plan. And and I'll again, we'll talk more about this later. Right now, I'm just not there. Yeah, I agree. Um, and hats off to Katie Parrish on our team who uh, came up with this idea. And I think it's 
much better of a home cook than I am. So when she um, threw this idea into our team Slack channel, um, I think she is probably cooking really well for herself and looking at recipes for spring and summer to feed um, feel good foods to herself and her family. And I'm like, I want someone else to cook me my feel good foods. I want my feel good foods to come uh, ready made, but there's, there's room for all of it. And so big thanks to Katie for um, inspiring this episode with a great idea. I love talking about food. So Megan, I want to start with just the very basics. Like if you met someone for the first time or you were at a restaurant with someone and they said like, what's your deal with eating? Um, let's just both share. And I'm talking about the brass tacks. Like, do you have yeah. any allergies? Are you a vegetarian? Like the profile that you have to fit yeah. it into a dating profile. What, how do you eat? Well, so like I mentioned before, um, I, I am not right now following any specific dietary plan, no allergies. Um, I am focusing right now on kind of putting structure around my eating. We'll talk more about that later, but that helps me. I do tend to eat really repetitively anyway. And I think you and I share this like tendency to eat the same things over and over. But what I can be a little weird about is that I sometimes eat all over the place time-wise. And I'm finding that as I'm getting older, that's just not working for me. And I'm really trying to get like enough protein and fat and fiber and complex carbs. I really like the way I feel when I eat a lot of vegetables. Um, but like, that's all just trying to get stuff in my body. It's not really like in any particular, I'm not on a plan. You're not on a plan. And it doesn't sound like you have any, um, there's nothing that's really off the table aside from foods where you just right. don't like the taste, like pickles and right. olives. We've been there. <laughs> I'm in the no pickle diet, <laughs> yes, which is unfortunate because everyone keeps talking about how briny foods are so good for you and oh, fermented really? foods are so good for you. Yes. Um, but I don't like them. This is a sidebar, but my mom also does not like olives. And have I told you that when she goes to a restaurant, she will say, I can't eat olives instead of I don't like, please don't right. put olives, um, which is just like I a mean, little. I mean, that's not that it's, dishonest. It's not untrue. It's not an allergy, but she I can't eat them. I can't eat them. So you can feel free to use that one with pickles. Um, okay. I also have no allergies and no food that's off the table or no dietary like plan that I'm on. I am finding that I more and more really enjoy the vegetarian or pescatarian options. Um, and like, I don't know, I, I think that might be a journey for me just looking at when I'm eating meat and like how, how much I really want it versus it's just what's yeah. there. So, um, I have one kid who's a vegetarian. I really enjoy fish. Um, I also eat plenty of eggs and dairy. So I am I, I'm by no means plant-based, but the vegetarian angle appeals to me because most of my animal protein comes in the form of eggs and cheese, which I'm in no, in, I have no interest in giving those up anytime soon, but meat, meat, I feel like is, uh, I, I might be on a journey with that. So we'll see. Um, I also lean more savory than sweet most of the time. Um, but I do enjoy both. And I am also really not beverage oriented. I know we're going to talk mostly about food, but I think hydration is another way we feed ourselves well. And I have a tough time with that. Um, I am very beverage oriented, you know you as are. you know, but I also lean more savory than sweet. So we have that in common. And I just wanted to quickly comment, Sarah, that I think so much, one of the things that tends to get kind of overlooked when we, when we're talking about what kind of uh, ways of eating work for us individually or how, what we're drawn to or what's even possible is the like regionality of it. Mm. So you live in a place where you could eat farm fresh vegetables off the plant mm -hmm. year round. Right. And like fresh catch mm -hmm. pretty much all the time. And I think when you, 
so I, it wouldn't surprise me if there's like a very natural reason that meat, like red meat would stop appealing to you as much yeah. because you get, you have really good options yeah. on the other end. So I find that as yeah. an interesting side conversation. Um, I always wonder like, is somebody in, you know, in Indiana more likely to like corn? Yeah. Am I more likely to like, you know, I don't know, meat and dairy. Cause I'm close to that sort of thing. I don't know. Yeah. Just a, just a thought. I'm sure yeah. there's somebody out there who's expounding on it right now. Totally. You could probably look that up. Yeah. yeah. Well, what does it mean to you to feed yourself? Well, we're going to get into food specifics a little bit later and talk about like our, our feel good foods, but at a more philosophical level, like how do you think about feeding yourself well as a mom? Yeah, this is something that again has really been um evolving for me. I feel like when my kids were really little, it a lot of it was just making sure I actually ate real food and not standing there scarfing chicken nuggets off the cookie sheet or the the remains of other people's mac and cheese. Yeah. yeah. And then that kind of led me to be like, okay, so I know what does feel really good. It feels good to eat whole more whole foods, less processed foods. Um and then jumping off from there, you can go in a lot of directions. And so I have flirted with everything from keto to whole 30 to paleo to, um, intermittent fasting, which isn't exactly, doesn't really restrict what you eat, but it does for me, at least putting restrictions around the timing of my food meant there were certain things that just fell off. Like Mm -hmm. I don't eat breakfast typically at two o'clock in the afternoon. So if I was skipping breakfast, I wasn't even getting around to some of those breakfast foods things like that. Um, and over the last, I don't know, close to a year now, I guess like nine, 10 months, I have been working with a health coach and went through this whole intuitive eating program, um, just to kind of like help me reset how I look at food and how deeply ingrained the feelings about bad foods can be. So Mm -hmm. right now feeding myself well means not doing that. Mm. Um, it means I was given that. some not doing, is it yeah. like the internal dialogue of this is bad and this is yes. good. Okay. Which I didn't even really realize how much was happening. Like, I don't think I really was aware how much of it that, um, it just kind of in the back of my mind, like it kind of reminds me. So in the nineties, remember when everything was like low fat, low yeah. fat, low fat. Yeah. And I read a lot of media at the time that was aimed at women. And, and I, internalized the idea that fat was bad. And I had to like almost retrain my brain when we learned that actually isn't the case and that actually trying to eat low fat can re you know, can not be good in a lot of different for a lot of different reasons. I had to like retrain my brain. Well, now it's almost like I went in the other direction and I started to think, Oh, well, sugar is bad or, Oh, well, wheat is bad. Like it's just, yeah, I'm not consciously walking around saying it. It's like this, it's a, it's a, buried dialogue that is very deep and you don't always think about it or eating is bad. Like I think a lot of times women just don't eat. We think like if we don't eat, it's better. It's just better not to eat. (laughs) And that's, it can, especially if you're going into the perimenopause, menopause years, like you can really jack yourself up doing that. Um, so I think right now I'm just gently unlearning and deconstructing and unraveling a lot of things I didn't realize I was learning, internalizing, and that I had constructed a way of feeling about food around that. I don't think I was even really aware that I was doing it. I did have, um, blood work done with like in conjunction with a functional medical doctor and a, um, health coach. 
And together they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, a good, like a good frame of reference or a good just place to start with a woman in her forties is like, you want to make sure you're getting enough protein. You want to make sure you're getting enough fiber. Like those are just like across the board things most women can benefit from. And then they're like, and we see in your blood work that there's a couple other things you could be adding in. And it was some really simple stuff. Like it's like adding a scoop of flaxseed to something every day and things like that. So I am, I'm really working on adding in more of the stuff that it would seem are going, is going to benefit me and not worrying about the rest of it. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. That's interesting. I had not heard of an update on that, um, health coach that, that all that stuff you've been doing in a while. So that was all new to me. Yeah. And I wanted to say one other thing that I think when I think, when I think back to the times of my life where I've felt like, Oh, this diet, whatever it is, is working for me. And I'm doing huge air quotes around that. It's because anytime I have spent a lot, like anytime I put a lot of attention into making sure I'm cooking for myself and eating in a somewhat structured way and like putting good food in my body, I feel good. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm not taking away from that at all. I know there are lots of people who eat keto keto or paleo or whole 30 or whatever. I think anytime you put a lot of focus into what you're putting in your body, um, unless I guess it's like the burgers and fries diet. I haven't heard about that one turning out (laughs) super well, but you know, that's maybe your thing or maybe that's Violet's thing. She really likes fries. Um, Every time I've done something like that, I do feel better for a while or I feel good. I feel like it's feel good eating because I'm paying attention to what I'm eating. Yeah. I'm naturally adding in more veggies. I'm naturally cooking more and eating less processed food and not eating out as much. Like as I do those things, I feel better, but that doesn't necessarily always mean it's the diet that did it. Yeah. Yes. I think often it's just paying attention (laughs) and then I feel good. So right now I'm trying to pay attention without restricting. Yeah. I, it's, I love that. And actually that is kind of where the note that I made when I thought about what does it mean to me to feed myself well? And the first thing I thought of is I feel like I'm feeding myself well when I put time and effort into preparing food for myself, which I do not always do. Um, I'm actually struggle with this. Um, I can get too hungry and then reach for something really convenient. Now in my fridge, we've done a lot of episodes about our refrigerators and our pantries. In my fridge, when I'm reaching for something convenient, it's still probably going to be made of whole food ingredients. It's it's not I'm not hitting the drive through twice a day or anything. But even having said that, I feel so much better when there's like I think it's like the slow food food movement kind of I don't know. That's maybe a misapplication of that term. But when I take time to get out different ingredients and like create something with them to assemble a sandwich, to assemble a salad. I am not naturally inclined to do that, but I feel better um, mentally, physically, psychologically when I do. Another thing that makes me feel like I'm feeding myself well is really intentionally creating a balance of flavors and textures. You and I are the same in that we like a salty sweet. We like a crunchy and a chewy together. Um, you and I, we are, we're so similar in the foods that appeal to us. It's really funny, but, um, like a grain bowl or a bowl of oatmeal that has a lot of different things. When I rush or when I don't plan ahead, I'll make a quesadilla or I will, you know, I'll grab nuts and I'll grab something, but there's something about that slower, more intentional assembly of let's say more than two ingredients instead of just cheese and tortilla 
maybe there's beans and avocados and sour cream and a little bit of salsa. And when I do that for myself, it just feels like it sounds so corny, but it's a a form of self-love. Like it is like, I am going to nurture you self with this food. Um, And then another thing I think that feeding myself well means to me is listening to cravings because cravings that kind of get a bad reputation, but I actually like to listen to my cravings and then respond kind of under a broader umbrella of in general, real food and whole foods and not like, not always the drive-through or not always like really, really high in sodium or, or highly processed foods. Cause cravings can pull us in that direction. But I think a craving is also information about, Ooh, am I in the mood for something really filling or really salty or really, there are ways, totally ways to lean into those cravings that don't have to be quote unquote bad, even though, you know, I'm, I'm on your team about bad. Well, I, I love, um, so much of what you just said. One thing that I think is great about cravings is they're just information. They're just there to tell you. Yeah something's going on. My, I want something. Why do I want that thing? Am I just hungry? I mean, I feel like this was harder for me when I was, when my kids were younger and I was more in the place where I was just rushing, rushing, rushing through my day and often just forgetting to eat. And then I'd be out with them and would pass a McDonald's and think, Oh, some fries would be great right now. Or I could just get myself a five piece chicken nuggie or six piece chicken nuggie (laughs) or whatever from wherever I'm passing. And that'll like, it'll, stem the the tide of hunger. That's not the same as craving that food. That's just wanting to put something into my stomach. And that's a different kind of craving than I want something salty. What are my options? I could have, you know, I could make a bowl of popcorn. I could have some salty nuts. Like I could, whatever, I could have a piece of bacon or maybe I do want the fries. Like yeah. it's, it's just information that you, if we can not be ravenous, it's much easier to like, sort out what that information is trying to tell you. And I think getting ourselves in that ravenous place doesn't really set us up. Um, the sandwich thing I can be, when I go into a place where I'm just mindlessly making food to put food to put in my face, I will do something like slap together the most boring sandwich and I eat it without even knowing it happened. It's like, it's just gone. Mm-hmm. But if I take a few minutes, like you said, and I layer some veggies, like turkey and veggies mm-hmm. on it, and I pick the really good bread that I really like and um, make sure there's enough mayo. I mean, there's yeah. just like different yeah. things I can do. Then I'm going to slow down and enjoy that sandwich in a much different way. And that does feel good. Whether it means I, you know, there's the nutrients that you got that you wouldn't have got if you skipped all the good stuff. Yeah. But there's also that, soul food piece of it. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. 
Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, so Megan, let's go through a, a hypothetical day of feel-good foods. And, and we're to be really clear, we're not suggesting this is what we achieve every day. I don't think either of us do, although you you might get closer than I do. But it's fun to go meal by meal. And I really want to lean into the foods themselves that feel good to us. Um, and then later in the show, we will talk about kind of how we merge this feeding ourselves well with feeding a family who may have yeah. different tastes. But for now, we're still just talking about ourselves. So let's start with breakfast. Um, what are What are some feel good breakfast foods for you? So right now I'm kind of rotating between like two or three breakfasts. So there's my special oatmeal and I just load that up. Uh, I feel like we've talked about my special oatmeal. Oh yeah. And you have, (laughs) yes, we have. But I add a whole bunch of stuff. It's got like protein powder or collagen powder. It's got fruit, cinnamon, chia seeds, flax, um, hemp hearts. Like it's loaded up. It's like a quarter oatmeal and, you know, three quarters other other stuff. stuff. And when I eat that as my first meal, I consistently feel great. I like, I don't have any crash afterward. I don't feel hungry for hours. Like I just feel really good. And I feel like if I consistently eat that every day for weeks, like my digestion's really, um, really regular, but you know, every now and then I might just have eggs and bacon. I think that the fat and the protein is really, really helpful. If I do eat eggs and bacon, I try to have like a little side salad or like a cut up, um, bell pepper or something with it to, so it's not just protein plus protein plus fat, but, um, but like those breakfasts, I can feel the difference between those. And if I say like went out to eat and had eggs and bacon, but also French toast and I put sugar all over it, or if I, or sugar, I don't put sugar on my toast, but I do put, um, syrup sometimes. Mm -hmm. Or if I had like even something that was more grainy, but didn't also have the protein and the fat. It's like I, my breakfast meal, I really need all three. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I I think that's probably advisable. Um, well, a go-to feel good breakfast for me would be avocado toast with cilantro and specifically here, here goes the part where it's like the little things that add together to make it feel really good. 
I really like a fancy salt. I have the Maldon salt flakes and they've lasted forever. A bo- do you have Maldon salt or do you know of it? No. It's just, mm. it, it's like in fancy specialty stores and it comes in a box and then there's a bag inside and you just kind of pinch it with your fingers and it's, it's like delicate flakes of salt, which is not the salt you'd want on everything. It's not universally applicable table salt. Um, and I, I think it's kind of expensive, but this box has lasted me forever because I don't use it all the time. Um, so I love fresh cilantro and the Maldon salt. I typically do, um, Dave's, the CD bread that you and I both oh, like yeah, from killer favorite. Dave's. Yes. That's, yeah. Yeah. Dave's killer bread. Thank He's you. not a killer. <laughs> killer Dave. Dave's killer, killer bread. Dave. It's the you know, 21 grain or something. Um, in a green. um, the one I like the best is good seed it's called good seed. And oh. it's thin. Okay. He's got like that killer Dave. He's got three or four. There's a lot. Really yeah. like um, beef, like breads with a lot going on. And the one I like is the thin sliced uh, good seed. And Aldi has a almost perfect knockoff of yeah. it with the, I can't remember the name of it, but it's very similar. Well, in addition to Killer Dave and his killer bread, um, there is a French bread that I found at Trader Joe's, a sliced French bread. So it's in the sliced section with the sandwich bread. It's not where you'd find like um, ciabatta and other like loaves. And yeah. um, the kids and I, none of us love sourdough. Like I, I like a sourdough sometimes, but we all, all three of the kids and I would prefer like a nice crispy piece of toast that's like the consistency of sourdough, but without being sour, if that makes sense. And I finally yeah. found one at Trader Joe's and it's just called like rustic French loaf or something. And that is also delicious for avocado toast. Not as much fiber, not as many really seeds, but again, we're not talking about deprivation. We're talking about like what feels good and that yeah. feels good. I will say the avocados that you mailed me off your tree um, were so good that I practically I just didn't even really need a lot of stuff on them, honestly. Yeah. But so it was just avocado and um, salt yeah. that I ate those. But I do typically do cilantro and I really like lime juice. And I will mash up my um, protein powder right into the avocado. Oh. And you cannot tell it's there. So oh. I just put a scoop or two, mash it all up, put some lime juice and cilantro and salt, and it just tastes like avocado. Oh, that I love lime juice too. Had not thought about protein powder. Um, if we're getting fancy in my house, but this is usually if Brian's feeding and me and I'm not feeding myself, we'll do radishes or red onions mm. or both because radishes have a really nice bite on your avocado toast. And I usually will load up some greens on top just to, because why not? Yeah. You're already, you know, it's, it's yeah. like, like um, a little arugula or something. Yeah. It's very good. All right. What are some of your lunch feel good foods? Well, Lunch is the kind of, is the time of day when I'm most likely to not take the time to eat well and, and eat something like I mentioned before that slap together sandwich. When I really feel good is when I have a, a bigger lunch than I think I need. And for it to be kind of simple, like I really love um, just picking up whatever the leftover meat was last night from last night's dinner and then just putting it over greens. And I have been, um, getting more of those clamshells and actually eating all the greens in the clamshell. You yeah, know what I'm, I'm talking so about, impressed. right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, I'm not <laughs> well, good with greens. I've Eric has definitely rubbed off on me in this way. He's really good about just looking in his kitchen, in his fridge and going here, I have this and I can put it on top of this and now it's a meal. So mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, like ground beef, put it on some greens and you've got a taco salad. Now put some onions and some other stuff. You've got a really good taco salad, Yeah. but there's nothing that says you can't just have just that. So 
Um, if we don't have any leftover meat, I will um, slice up a chicken breast and like uh, cook it up with some curry powder. Or sometimes I'll just do it with like, you know, Mexican spices, whatever I have, or a packet of tuna. And I just put that on top of my favorite is the spinach and arugula blend from I think it's Earth, it's Earthbound, Earthbound uh-huh. Farms. Um, but they have a lot of different spring mixes and things like that that I think are all really good. And I have actually found that for this sort of like scenario, yeah, I really want it very simple. I don't want dressing. I like a squeeze of lime or a squeeze of lemon. And then I'll often add like a handful of crunchies, like um, a handful of sunflower seeds or pine nuts if I'm feeling wealthy that day <laughs> or something like that. Um, but really, it's like I've got my greens. If avocados are in season here or I can get my hands on them, I'll have some avocado. I'll have some protein of some sort um, and some a squeeze of lime and eat it. And I feel great. Oh, that sounds really good. So I just picked one of the feel good lunches that feel good to me. I don't have this every day, but, um, it's one of my favorites. I might have it today after we're done recording. So Trader Joe's makes these veggie burgers in the frozen section. And I just looked them up. So it's the quinoa cowboy veggie burger with black beans and roasted corn. Again, this is me eating like a vegetarian, but I'm not really a vegetarian. Um, it's a very Southwest flavor of a like bean, black bean and corn veggie burger patty. They're not very interesting by themselves. And this goes back to the kind of slow, intentional assembly of something. So I would heat that up in a little pan. um, And in the meantime, toast a hamburger bun. We almost always have hamburger buns. I um, don't really have a preference, but I do want it on a bun. I do like my bread and my gluten. I am not gluten-free. So I would toast the bun and melt a little pepper jack cheese um, or another kind of cheese, but I love pepper jack on the bun as it toasts and then do sliced red onion, lettuce, tomato. If they're in season, we have, I haven't had tomatoes yet this year. Cause I really don't like tomatoes when they're not in season, but no, there's um, no point. <laughs> ideally it would be lettuce, red onion, tomato, avocado, the cheese, the bun, and then the, like a little bit of mayo probably, but with all that stuff and the flavor of the, doesn't need a lot more going on. Um, right. But it's like, there's as much other stuff as there is this burger patty. Um, and that's it. It's a little bit spicy. Um, and it's delicious. It takes a little bit to assemble. And again, I think that's part of what feels good to me. Yeah. Love it. But dinner for you. Well, typically dinner is just like whatever I'm feeding the kids. Um, and their needs, like they've kind of made it clear that there are three or four categories of foods that they want me to just keep rotating through. And I'm not going to fight that. So I've almost always got either rice or quinoa or couscous going, um, often in the rice cooker, I can do a lot of those things in there. And then there's some kind of meat to go like over that. They really like that and a vegetable on the side. And so I will just help myself to whatever sounds good from what they're eating. Often it's like, they might have a huge stack of, um, rice and a little bit of meat and very little vegetable. Whereas I'm going to go heavier on the meat and vegetable and just have a little scoop of rice. I often will add a little side salad. So it's like, it's kind of like a watered down version of whatever they're eating. Um, often in our house, I'm feeding the kids relatively late and I don't like to eat a lot of food late. I think yeah. this might be, we've both talked about this. It's not sitting well yeah. with me anymore. I might have like another little snack before bed, but I don't want to have a huge dinner trying to digest. So 
if we're eating on the later side, my meal will often be really small. Um, if we're eating on the earlier side, I might eat a little bit and then I probably won't have a snack. So let me ask you this. Um, if your kids weren't there and obviously sometimes they're not, if you were by yourself in the same way, you're by yourself most days at lunch. Cause you're working yeah. from home. If you were by yourself, what would be a feel good dinner for you? I think it would just kind of be like more of what I had at lunch. <laughs> it's or I'll look for leftovers. I'm just like or if I'm with Eric, it'll be probably something like he probably wouldn't make rice, but it'll probably be some kind of meat and veg. Mm -hmm. It's just like a really scaled back version of of a larger meal. I yeah. can't really think of anything else that to me would be like, Ooh, I, you know, I'm not like, um, if I went out to eat, I'd probably get like an amazing salad, but I'm not going to make an amazing salad at home. I'm going to make like a okie dokie salad yeah. and be fine with it. And that would be fine. I, I'm having a hard time thinking of like, what would feel like a really killer feel good meal at the dinner hour? Because typically I'm not thinking about a lot of food at that time of day. Yeah. It's funny. I'm exactly the same. I'm least hungry at dinner, which is a bummer because dinner is built up to be this thing we're supposed to care about. And, right. um, I also do not, um, in terms of the actual food though, one of my favorite dinners that makes like the food that makes my, me feel really good is I love a like roasted vegetable grain bowl. So mm -hmm. like a really hearty grain, even heartier than a, like than a, um, quinoa or couscous, more like a, a barley or like a farro, oh, okay. like a really chewy grain and a bunch of roasted carrots and onions and sweet potatoes and whatever else. And then, um, a runny egg on top. That's one of our, I was favorite. actually just mm -hmm. going to say, I often will add an egg to something yeah. and it just, then it feels like a, yeah. a complete meal. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, it's not something that works really super well with, um, actually Violet will go in on grain bowls with, Brian and I, because she eats most of those things and is like the best vegetable eater, but it's not yeah. something we would typically do for an all family meal. And we'll talk a little bit more about the all family meals in a little bit, but that one, it, I hear you. I am probably not likely to assemble that grain bowl for myself if it's just me. So I'm, I'm having to straddle the line here. Like what is the actual food that would feel really good? Right. That's, that is it. But yeah. The Where, are you actually going to make it? Probably right. not. No, I'm probably like well, you. I'm I'm having yeah. more of what I had at lunch or leftovers or a bowl of cereal. But that's not the same as like what the feel good food is. I think that the distinction or like the trying to to create a category that is dinner and a category that is lunch is where I get tripped up then because yeah. like a grain bowl. I love those, especially with an egg, especially like all of that is delicious. Um, I would be just as likely or possibly more likely to get something like that for lunch. Yeah. Um, than I would be for dinner because I think dinner I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I have to have, you know, like a piece of fish and a side of broccoli. Like it feels, yeah. but, but that's where maybe that isn't even what I really ever want. Right. <laughs> maybe yeah. I always kind of want lunch. Back to that intuitive eating. I yeah. know that I, yeah, I definitely am not a dinner oriented person. I would just as, just as rather have peanut butter toast or a salad or a, yeah, I'm just, just how I now, am. Every now and then we go out to eat and I get, um, steak frites and, uh, that feels very good going it into sure my does. stomach. I will sure say it does. <laughs> <laughs> so it depends. what kind of feel good food are we talking about here? I mean, feels good. French it's fries. like what feels good in your mouth and going down your gullet. That's what I'm going for. Yes. And French fries are, yeah, they're, they're not going anywhere for me anytime soon. Right. Um, okay. Well, do you have any feel good snacks? 
So literally every day at some point of the day, typically this is like a, a snack that comes between breakfast and lunch for me. Um, but not always. I have what I call my mouse food and it's like a little platter, little plate that I have nuts, sometimes a little bit of granola, depending on how fancy I'm getting. It's like essentially a teeny little charcuterie plate, but without meat. I love and it. it's like little, you know, sharp, like some sharp cheddar, some raisins or grapes or apple slices or all three, maybe a little honey to dip the nuts in. Nice. Tend to have almonds, but sometimes cashews, sometimes both. I eat that almost every single day. I love that. Um, this might be an area where we're different. I get snackier. I tend not to snack between breakfast and lunch because I have so much flexibility as to when I eat breakfast and lunch that sometimes I even eat them kind of, if I eat both, I'll, it feels like they're kind of close together because I don't yeah. eat breakfast really until the kids are off at school. So I might not eat breakfast till nine. And then if I eat like a two pieces of avocado toast at nine and then another meal at lunchtime, um, I don't need anything in between those, but I do get very snacky in the afternoon. I think you probably can tell me about the metabolism and hormone. There's like a very snacky thing that happens that I feel like is probably not great in the afternoon. And I don't mean like snacking is bad, but I, I feel like it's a little veering into that, um, mindless or like not mm. really sure what I want, or I have a cup of coffee and then I get, um, too hungry, like an hour yeah, after I have a jittery. cup of coffee, then yeah. I get jittery, not right after it's always like comes up. It sneaks up on me like an hour and a half later. And I realize I need to eat really fast. So, um, but again, this is not about what's not working. What does feel good for an afternoon snack actually is a perfect bar. Um, the, the brand perfect bar. I okay. love the dark chocolate chip peanut butter flavor. I mean, it has, it doesn't taste like exactly like Reese's because it's not, it's, it's, has more protein and things like that. Um, but it does have that salty sweet and they're very filling. I mean, people use them as like a meal replacement. I eat too much to have that be a meal replacement, but it will definitely uh, ward off any additional snacking or jitters or anything like that. So um, that would be what I would feel good about. That is not what happens most days. Well, it's funny because it, those kinds of I, I'm not going to say there's any strategy around me, like putting my snack between breakfast and lunch. I will say having that Swedish snack almost in place of lunch, it almost becomes like a, so let's say I eat breakfast at nine and then I have like a sweet and savory snack at like 1130. Yeah. See, I'd be eating lunch already. <laughs> right. Then I push lunch back. So my yeah. lunches are typically a little later. And then I feel like I can just really easily ride it out until maybe I'll have like a cup of tea just to have something in my stomach, but I can ride it out through dinner easily. Yeah. I think if I reverse that, and again, I'm not saying this is a strategic move that, and that's the reason I'm doing it this way. I just, now that you're talking about that mid afternoon yeah. hunger, I think if I saved the sweet ish snack for the afternoon, I just wouldn't stop Yeah, because those bars taste real good. And if you're kind of in that mid afternoon slump, which most of us do experience, so yeah. that's very common. Um, it feels like that little jolt is like a little pick me up and yeah. then it's like, mm, but I want more, I want more, I want more. So that time of day for me, it's like three or four o'clock. If I start on that kind of snacking train, it's hard to get off that snacking train. Yeah. So I like to ride into that time of day, just not being hungry. Yeah, that's really smart. And there's no reason I couldn't actually do that. Do the late lunch. Um, we're recording just to pull back the curtain. We're recording a little later in the day than we usually 
do. So as we record this, it's one 30 in the afternoon and I, I won't eat lunch till after two o'clock today, but that's okay. Cause I did again, I had like a hearty avocado toast breakfast. Um, so that is, that's a good strategy. I might think about that. And the other thing is with the afternoon snacking, my kids are home and they are snacking. So yeah. we've got stuff out. I mean, there are pretzels out. And again, it is not to me, it is not about good or bad foods or that these snacks should be off limits at all. It's just, um, whether it's like what I actually need or what serves me right. and what f- makes my body feel good at that time. So. It's easy to just circle around the Island a few times, yep. grabbing this and that, and then get to the, you know, and then get away from that and think, what did I, I don't even remember what I just ate. But I think you're no exactly <laughs> right. That if I went into that after school stretch, not at all hungry, it I still might grab a pretzel. I mean, I'm yeah. human, but I, it, the problem is that I also am getting hungry. So yeah. yeah. Um, okay, well let's touch briefly on beverages because beverages are a huge part of feel good, feeding yourself and feeling good. Um, no one needs to hear about our coffee tea habits again. I think they're well established on this show, but are there other ways that beverages help you feel good throughout the day? And of course you can talk about tea. I just not love to talk about tea. No, we just don't need to do like our morning routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well I just wrote in our outline, all the beverages because I love all of the beverages. I'm extremely beverage oriented and that can be good or bad. Um, depending on whether those beverages are helping me actually stay hydrated or, you know, if I'm getting jittery because I'm caffeinating too much. Um, I realized like, yesterday or the day before, actually, I woke up and I just asked Eric, will you help me today drink more water? Because I drink so many other things, many of which are are still very hydrating. Yeah. I'm like, I'm drinking herbal tea. That's all very hydrating. But like, maybe it wouldn't be a terrible thing for me to just drink a glass of water sometimes, like a regular glass of water. And not wait till the end of the night. So I tend to like get to the end of the night and say, oh, oh man, I need more water. And then I chug two glasses of water and then I'm up using the bathroom all night. So, um, that I am, I'm trying to get a little bit better about that. And I, again, leaning in on herbal teas, like there's so many herbal teas that are really good for you and have, um, like for example, one of the things my health coach wanted me to start doing is drinking peppermint tea. There are some, there's some evidence that it could, you know, help with hormone balance and why not? It's not yeah, going to hurt sure, me. It's not going to hurt. And it's, and it's delicious, especially in the spring. And I'm, I find it a little bit addictive. So I have that and I have my turmeric tea and all those. So I, I just, I feel like the water, it's not necessary. I don't have to drink water. If I'm drinking yeah. herbal teas and, um, you know, LaCroix type drinks and putting stuff in my sparkle and stuff like that mm-hmm. all day, I don't probably also need water necessarily, but I just feel like it's just good to just sometimes keep it really simple Yeah, and be in that habit. Yeah. Um, I am terrible about hydrating and have been my entire life. And after my morning coffee, and then I do have my athletic greens. So that is, that does start me hydrated because I drink my athletic greens with a lot of water. But after that, it's like during the day, those are both kind of early in the morning during the day. I'm just not beverage oriented when the weather gets really warm, I might grab a sparkling water of some kind. Um, I have been trying to, I, I've never liked being one of those people that carries around like a travel water bottle. Cause I've always thought, well, I work from home. I can just pour water into a regular glass, but I have a hydro flask right now that I like, and it is helping me drink a little bit more water. And I love those noon tablets um, in there for the flavor. It helps the water taste like something other than water. And then of course it has electrolytes and stuff. So 
I'm trying, but I am pretty bad about hydrating and I'm pretty bad about, I just don't crave beverages. That's the problem. Like I don't, I don't want them. I mean, it's so interesting because at the height of my sparkling water, you know, addiction, which I, I did start to feel a little weird about going through that many cans of beverages a day. It's not like I, I don't think there's, well, there's a lot of reasons I felt weird about it, but one of them was like, do I really need to be adding this much metal to my recycling bin every day? But I was drinking like six, seven, eight of those things a day. Wow. So I would just have one. I would walk out of the house Mm -hmm. with one in my hand. If it didn't matter how short the drive was, if I was driving to pick the kids up from school, had a drink. So now I'm using my, my sparkle to make bubbly water. And I probably have one glass of sparkling water every day that I put lemon and lime in. And then I also like to sparkle other things sometimes like I'll sparkle up juice or whatever. But I am, I think just, I think when you're already beverage focused, if you just drink the, the right stuff, you can make that your superpower. Yeah. And I'm however, you can also drink way too much of the other stuff. Well, that's true. That's a good point. (laughs) Yeah. And for me, yes. And it works both ways for me too. I don't, I've, I've never had a soda habit or anything like that. Cause I just am not a thirsty gal. Um, (laughs) listeners, if you have no idea what we're talking about with the sparkle or with noon tablets, they're both things we've talked about before. We'll link them up. They're just the sparkle is like a kind of like a soda stream alternative that will sparkle things for you. And noon is one of those electrolyte hydration tablets. Neither of those brands sponsor the show, but they are welcome to. Man, sparkle shit at this point. I I think I've probably, like my rice cooker, I think I've probably turned three or four people at least on to getting a sparkle. Me, you you influence me on both of those. I have the rice cooker and the sparkle. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Sarah, we're welcoming our sponsor, Element. That's spelled L-M-N-T, a zero sugar electrolyte drink that leans on current science about what our bodies really need in order to deliver the most effective hydration possible. You know, Sarah, Eric is really into keeping up with health research, and he's been insisting to me for years that we actually need more salt to stay hydrated. Turns out Element agrees because they've developed their product based on a growing body of research that shows that for optimal health outcomes, we actually need to be taking in sodium levels at two to three times government recommendations. That's a big difference. 
Yeah, it really is, Megan. And, you know, electrolyte deficiency or imbalances can cause headaches, cramps, fatigue, brain fog, and weakness. I know I can feel really rotten when I'm dehydrated. And also, I don't love the taste of plain water, so I'm not that great about drinking it. Element makes a huge difference in how much I'm enjoying my hydration and in how I feel, and it's super easy to fit it into my daily routine. My favorite flavor of Element is the grapefruit, but if that's not for you, we're going to get you set up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite Element flavor. Plus, Element has a no-questions-asked refund policy. You don't even have to send the product back to get your refund. Yeah, you can receive a free Element sample pack containing one packet of eight flavors, so you'll get eight total packets free with any order when you purchase through our custom URL. That's drinkelement.com slash momhour. D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash mom hour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and it's available for both new and returning customers. To get that offer, again, go to drinkelement.com slash mom hour. Okay, Megan. Well, the elephant in the room or the eight elephants in the combined room is that we're not just feeding ourselves on a day-to-day basis. We are feeding families, our families. Um, You have two kids like at home regularly with you. Um, and I have three and I'm guessing I can speak for both of us that our feel good foods are not necessarily nope. what our kids want to be eating, what they want packed in their lunches, what they're having for breakfast, what they're having for snacks. So let's just kind of open the discussion here about the, where the intersection between feeding ourselves well and feeding a larger family. What I'm, I'll just open the floor to you. Cause this is tricky. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like if my kids had their druthers, my 14 and six and 17 year old who are home now, they would have McDonald's on the way home from school every single day. I know that because every time we pass McDonald's, one of them will say, Hey, what do you think about going through that drive through? We've talked about that. Yeah. Um, And if it came to like what I was cooking for them, they like, they like most of the stuff I make. But if I made pizza and spaghetti, if I made spaghetti every other day and then ordered pizza, you know, on the alternate day, they'd be pretty happy. And those are the two kinds of foods that I will mindlessly eat. I will snarf down a plate of spaghetti and like half a loaf of garlic bread and not even know what happened. Mm -hmm. Same with pizza. I don't think of them as bad foods and I actually feel fine if I have a a slice of pizza, but that's just not typically how I engage with those foods. So it's the, it's the, Um, um, portion problem. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Now there are times that I like pre-feed myself when I'm going to make something that I know I'll just kind of gorge on and I'll eat, I'll purposefully eat something else and then make that for dinner or offer that. And then I'm like, oh, okay. I just want one little small plate of spaghetti. So again, it's like, how hungry am I going in? Right. Um, otherwise, I don't know. This is something that I feel like now with teenagers, it's like, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. It was a struggle. And we finally figured it out. Yeah. I know what I can make them that they will like. And I know how to, for the most part, I don't know how to like modify pizza. I haven't figured that out. But I know how to take the basics of what I'm feeding them most of the time and then like assemble it in a way that feels good to me and eat an amount that feels good to me. And that's kind of where I've landed with it. I don't overthink it a lot anymore. And I've I've taken I've finally been able to just remove some of the guilt around knowing that their diets aren't perfect um, because I don't think any teenagers is. And 
they're, you know, they're out there driving themselves. Like Owen's driving, he and Claire to school every day. They could be stopping by Taco Bell every single day on the way home. And I'd have no idea. Like I, it's not up to me now. They're kind of out in the world making choices. And so I don't know, that was kind of a, that was sort of just like rambling, but I think that sort of touches on it. Well, as you were talking, I was thinking there's like this, I don't know if it's a bell curve because I haven't thought through the whole curve yet, but stay with me. When your kids are tiny, um, I found it relatively easy to meal plan and cook with my spouse according to still like what we wanted to eat and then just sort of deconstruct either the kids, the babies weren't eating um, at all yet or that they were going to have like a plainer version of what we were having. And and we really made that work for, you know, several years through like the preschool years, I would say. There came a point for our family, and I won't speak for everybody, but when we were outnumbered by school-aged, older elementary, tween, and teenage kids, where we are fully outnumbered in terms of what people want, the their tastes and preferences, but also like how much they want to eat, what time we can eat because of activities. There's like so many different factors that go into dinner planning, especially. And it's not to say at all that like we just gave up and we just order pizza every night. That's not what I'm saying. But um, what I'm hearing you say is there's the the other side of that curve is sort of a return to a reclaiming of what you want to eat as an adult and then how that can like sensibly interface with your teenagers. But at one point you had five kids under your roof um, and probably weren't as able to think about like what felt good to you at dinner. You were literally just trying to feed the mouths, right? Yeah. But I actually think that what I've done now is it's, it's almost like the flip of you make something for you when you have a toddler and then deconstruct it for the toddler. Now I'm making what they want and I'm picking out the pieces I want. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like almost totally reverse. I mean, it helps that my kids will kind of eat. They're not particularly picky at their ages and what I'm feeding them, I'm fine with. So if I make them, for example, one of their favorite things for me to make is like butter chicken. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm happy to eat butter chicken. I'll eat butter chicken all day. I might, again, not eat it with quite as much rice and naan as they do. Maybe I'll lean in more on some cauliflower or something because that feels good to me. But we're still kind of all eating the same thing and I'm happy with it. And I'm also fine with my portion being like the meal is about us all sitting down together. Yeah. And I'll eat from that what I want. And if that means I want to feed myself a little bit beforehand because I got hungry and didn't want to wait till their dinner time, or I don't want to eat a lot because I don't want to feel like I'm digesting all night, then I just do that. So it's almost like I've flipped it around. Yeah, that makes sense. I can tell you which meal has gotten immeasurably better for me as my kids have gotten older. And that is lunch. I mean, I've had, Mm. you know, when I had kids at home with me, I don't even remember how I fed myself for lunch when my little kids, preschoolers and stuff were home eating peanut butter and jelly and mac and cheese and little yogurt. I would literally eat peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, crusts. I, I remember I eating crusts. Yeah. yeah. And leftovers. Like if we had had a, 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 a dinner meal the night before that, there was something I could heat up. Um, I remember not buying, <laughs> this is just funny, but I, I didn't buy Trader Joe's salads, even though they have really good, fairly affordably priced, like lunch size salads. I just was like, I didn't want the packaging. I, I thought I would I was kind of on a, like a high horse about, I needed to prepare food for myself. And in retrospect, like 
I could, I would have eaten a lot more vegetables. Let's put it that way. If I had been, um, buying myself a pre-made salad. So if anyone Mm. needs that permission slip, I, for some reason, didn't give it to myself. I totally buy them now. Not every day. I don't have that for lunch every day, but I just think going back to my veggie burger that I plan to make after we get done recording, like I was not taking that time at lunch to feed myself the way I do now. So that's a significant improvement in terms of having everybody in school and having more time to myself during the day, even though I'm working. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about dinner. That's kind of like the the family meal that we all think of. Is there one family meal that you feel like just hits the sweet spot of feel good foods for you and the kids are happy? I'll go first. Um, and you, you already mentioned some of the ones that work well for you, but Last night in our house, we had fajitas. What's funny when we have any kind of um, Mexican inspired dish, we'll call it taco night or burrito night. And the funny thing is all five of us assemble the ingredients differently. So it's it could be fajitas, tacos, burritos and taco salad all at the same time. It's just the ingredients assembled in different ways. So Brian last night um, grilled chicken breast out on the grill with, um, a seasoning blend. He's got all of his, he, he kind of like blends his own dry rubs and seasonings. And I don't even know what's in it, but it's roughly fajita flavored chicken. And then he brought it in and chopped it up. Um, and Reed had a burrito. Violet also had a burrito, but vegetarian. Hers was mostly avocado and cheese. And she put something else. Oh, corn. I think she had corn in it last night. Um, but we um, made like street talk. Ta- I made street tacos with the small tortillas and, and heated them up. So that's the, when they're the best, mm-hmm. um, with chicken, avocado. Um, oh, and we did the fajita bell peppers and onions. That's why we called it fajita night because we did do the bell peppers and onions. Um, a couple of my kids do like onions when they're nice and soft like that, even if they pick out the bell peppers. And I just remember looking around being like, literally everyone's happy. Like the kid who's yeah. eating chips and, um, like chips and chicken, which would be Luke, um, is happy. And then I'm happy. I had a like going back to what I was saying about like layers of flavor is one of the things that makes me feel like I'm being fed really well. And I was, I only had two tacos. I wasn't that hungry, two little tacos, but they all had all those flavors and it works for everyone. I love that. And that's very similar. We, we do a lot of like some sort of taco ish slash, you know, Maybe it's nachos. Maybe it's tacos. Maybe yeah. it's a taco salad. Maybe oh, it's fajitas. What nachos. is it? Yeah. yeah. It's all the stuff with yeah. whatever stuff you want. And I think, you know, that it, like that is a classic that's been uh, making my family very happy since the beginning. Yep. Um, I've mentioned a few times that like right now we're in a place where just like chopped up flavored seasoned meat over a grain, usually rice with veggies. Yeah. And then I'll add a egg like that. It's it works that I, I'm leaning in on it because it works. But I guess I would say if I had to say like overall, what's been the biggest crowd pleaser since the beginning, but when they were little kids, it's breakfast for dinner. Yes. That's another great one. Breakfast for dinner can be whatever you want it to be. And it can be a lot of different things. And does it it feel good to you too? That's the criteria here. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'll just, because the nice thing about breakfast is you can eat whatever parts of the breakfast you want to eat. So if it's like, um, if it's a couple of eggs and you don't feel like having toast, you don't have to have toast. You can have something else to soak up the egg or you can have the egg scrambled. So you don't need anything to soak them up. And then you can just have some fruit on the side. Like it can be that basic combination of what makes a breakfast for dinner type meal. It's like yeah. some kind of eggy thing. It's some kind of bready thing. It's some kind of 
often breakfast meat doesn't have to be it's some kind of fruit thing like Mm -hmm. it's everyone can just then assemble at will and it has always made everybody very happy in my house yeah that's a great one i agree um basically taco night and breakfast for dinner (laughs) making moms and kids happy all (laughs) all over since the beginning of time well before we wrap up um i wanted to mention that the mother of reinvention podcast is back. Um, so I just did an episode with our friend, Kristen chase, who is one of the hosts of the spawned podcast and, um, one of the creators of cool mom picks. And we did an episode. It was supposed to be about kind of style and fashion at midlife and, and like how we're changing the way we dress to, um, suit our changing bodies. But we had about 15 minutes of talk at the beginning about eating and the complications around food and nutrition and sort of like problematic eating and things like that. So if, if that's a topic that, you know, nothing about kids, it was all about feeding ourselves. But if this topic is something that you're thinking a lot about, check that out. It'll be at the mother of reinvention podcast, wherever, wherever you listen to your podcast. Yeah. I'm so excited for the new season to be back. So yay. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, and we'll link it up in the show notes too. I thought this would also be a good time to send people over to our friends, Megan and Stacy at the didn't I just feed you podcast. We have so many listeners who already love that show that sometimes I'm like, Oh, everybody knows about didn't I just feed you, but maybe you don't. And in addition to being one of my favorite names for a podcast ever, um, Stacy and Megan are both, uh, recipe creators, food writers, like long, long time, um, food media moms. But I think they also talk so honestly and thoughtfully about a lot of these things where parenting and food and body image and motherhood intersect. In addition, they're professional food people, so they actually have really good recipes and ideas, but they are not afraid to talk about some really bigger um, food topics. And food is such a it's such a big thing. So um I asked and Megan from didn't I just feed you sent over a couple episode recommendations. I'll put them all in our show notes. Some of them are from their um, Apple podcast subscription area. And then some of them are from just the public podcast feed. So look in the, in our show notes for links to three highly recommended episodes from didn't I just feed you. Love them. I'm going to have to go check those out. Those all look great. Yeah. They're, they're just delightful humans as is Kristen Chase. So yay for all of our friends. And then before we officially say goodbye, thank you to everybody who's done the listener survey. I checked as of this recording and we had about 760 survey responses, which is awesome. Um, By the time this airs, that will be hopefully even higher. And if you haven't done it yet, you just type the momhour.com slash survey into your browser. The link's also in the show notes. Um, It's on our website, but just remember the momhour.com slash survey. It works on your phone. It works on your computer. Um, It takes a few minutes because we are digging into some more parenting culture topics with this survey. And so we appreciate your thoughtful responses. It is anonymous. So yeah, thanks to everybody who has taken the time to do the survey. And if you haven't, we would so appreciate it. And um, just a reminder to check back in on Friday where Katie Parrish and I will be coming back with part two of our series on traveling with kids. I will be talking about the ins and outs and ups and downs of traveling with teenagers. So check your feed on Friday and we'll talk to you then. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. 
You can also find us on Instagram at the mom hour chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Hey everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening and left the mom hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole. And then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.